0: So, if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to Anchor.fm/start. That's Anchor.fm/start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's Anchor.fm/start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. I wouldn't want to watch Jaws on the, Be Lake. On the
1: water.
2: <laughs> they, well, my thing was like, what happens if you have to go to the bathroom and you and you're in the middle of a bunch of people? Yeah, do you paddle out? Are you gonna make it in time? Like
0: you just tough. well, hopefully if you have to go pee, you just pee there. <laughs> Fuck it, you know. what I mean, <laughs> right, right.
2: Yeah. I, guess, I guess no one's looking. You're all yeah, right. You no, know?
0: <laughs> you're by a ra- bunch of people. You can you can like just look at them and go, excuse me, what did you do? <laughs> 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 like you're just, Pardon what? me, sir. <laughs> Pardon me, sir. But uh, did you just piss in my area? <laughs> Welcome my Frame Chasers. It's Wednesday and you already know what it is. A new episode of Chasing the Frame today. I'm with my good friend who I haven't seen in a long time, but it's a great to hear his voice, Patrick Thies. Patrick, how are you today? Did I say your last name right, by the way, too? I haven't said it in a long time.
2: I gotta say, you're the only one that's gotten it right. Holy Everyone shit. else who says my last name just, yeah, like, that's a first, dude, to be honest. No one's got it right on the first time like that. They always struggle with it. They oh, always say T's or ties or like add an extra S to the end, so more power to you.
0: Dude, you're, you're giving me like the, the power of last names here because I can never say anyone's last name <laughs> unless it's a simple last name. It's it's terrible. So like, it, you, knowing that you're the first person I got right with well, a difficult last name to yep. like for me to say, I feel honored. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how are you today, Patrick,
2: by the way? I'm good. I'm good. Um, it's kind of a long way home from work. I actually worked in, in at uh, UCLA in mm-hmm. Westwood, California. Okay, but I live in North Hollywood. So, anyone's from the area—that's a solid nine or ten miles. But mm-hmm. everyone knows at six p.m. it's rush hour, so oh. it took me a good hour and ten to get back. So is you know a, how that goes sometimes it, when you're stuck in traffic. Yeah, yeah is that a normal? Yeah, you take a left, take a right. Is that a normal like hour, uh, like commute time well, from that area? from where i was to, mm. like you know from that part of town to to the valley yeah that's pretty normal okay. i mean especially for that time of day like yeah. the only other time where it'd be like not as bad is if you leave like at 9 p.m or eight thirty p.m and then yeah. if you leave later it's not too bad in fact there's some nights when i'll actually leave work and go to the library next door like block away yeah and i'll stay there until it closes and i'll do some writing on my computer yeah and by the time i leave out of there it'll be about eight 8 p.m. or 8.30 mm. and they can get home in about half an hour. Oh, so not, not too bad. Though. Not
0: too bad. Not too bad. And you go to li- libraries, nice, quiet area to kind of decompress a little bit too. Dope.
2: Yeah, it, it's nice. They have tables in there, you know, free internet, yep. you know, and I feel like if you're in a place that's not your home, at, at least for me, mm. it's easier, it's easier to stay focused on the script or if you're trying to read something or you're trying to study something, like to kind of force you to pay attention to whatever you're doing whereas yeah. if you're at home with something, you might turn on Netflix. You might check your phone. Yep. So, from out somewhere that's not my house, I'll probably work
0: That That is a very true point. And also, just to say, before we get into the cast, I just want to thank everyone, by the way, for listening. And remember, if you are a Patreon member, thank you. And if you aren't a Patreon member, we do have a Patreon. And we have three different tiers. A dollar, two dollars, and five dollars. One dollar gets you three days before the podcast airs. <laughs> two dollars gets you five days before the podcast airs. And five dollars, gives you a week before the podcast airs. So that means you can listen to next week's podcast today. That's a deal. That's a steel deal, as I like, as I like to say. And again, guys, um, you know, we're on Spotify, you know, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, the whole kit caboodle. If you're on, if you're in that L.A. area, I know TuneIn.com in, tune or TuneIn Radio is a pretty popular thing as well. And remember, remember, guys, if you don't know, now you know. We got T-shirts at teespring.com. That's T-double-E dot, uh, s p r i n g dot com slash stores slash chasing dash the dash frame. That's where you can find our hashtag frame chaser shirts in men and women's unisex shirts, basically. And crew neck and v-neck from about $20 to about $25.99 for that high-end uh, tri-blend shirt, which is super soft, by the way. And I won't lie to you, it is one of the most comfortable shirts I've had in a long time. And for the price I'm paying for that, I'm I'm happy about that. So again, guys, you check that out. You know, do if, buy it if you want. It'd be awesome if you do because guess what? Get the word out more, and we need the word out more. So, guys, who's ready to chase frames today? Patrick. First question I ask everyone on the podcast is, where are you from originally?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I was originally from Lima, Peru, in South America. Okay, I was born in 1988 in uh in June, at the very end of
3: June
2: mm. um, so that's where the story begins for me I suppose okay. um, then I was adopted shortly after that I grew up in northern Detroit by Chicago mm. and eventually I, I made my way out west to, to Vegas and then now LA
0: Alright, so next question I ask is what was the first film, you know, TV show actor, maybe movie director something in this field that said that spoke to you and you said to yourself I want to do this you know what was it? Um, for me, it would probably have to be
1: um, Steven Soderbergh's take on *Ocean's o- o- Eleven. Okay. Uh,
2: um, you know, the, the heist film. The mm-hmm. uh, The reason why was because at the time, um, I, I think I was still in high school. I just started college. I like I was a freshman in college. I
3: think.
2: Yeah. And back then, when I would go for the summer, I would work with my stepdad. And we'd do landscaping all day,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and he paid me a decent wage. He'd yeah. Be, you know, his son, and kind of doing like yard work all day. And the first thing I bought when I got enough money was uh, my own laptop. Yeah. And with my laptop, we really went to the discount store and I bought, you know, movies, obviously. I bought like a, a bunch of different mm. DVDs. One of them happened to be Oath 11. And for some reason, I don't know why, but when I put that DVD into my own laptop and watched it, it felt like I was seeing a whole new world with like the way the camera was moving, the lights, yeah. the story, obviously, and that huge all-star cast.
1: Mm-hmm. I think
2: I watched the movie at least dozen times yeah. After, over the course of the next year or so, like I kept watching it over and over again, yeah. And the more I did, the more I found that I was catching certain things about story, about mm. characters, and I thought, you know what? I'm already kind of like a writer for like short stories, and I've r- written like little
3: yeah. short
2: stories of books for myself in my own time. It would be fun to do something where like it transmits to the big screen, you know, mm-hmm. where I can be, yeah. you know, something with the visual thing. So I figured, yeah, why not just you know, why not learn a little bit about this? So. Yeah. I think at that time I was still struggling about what should I study in college, or like what is I should major in. Yeah, and I was still like I was picking out all my classes, and around then I decided to just go with screenwriting. Mm-hmm. So I started to take classes at the college I went to in Southern Illinois University. Mm-hmm. I started to meet new people, research screenwriting online in my spare time, and yeah. the more and more I got into it, and the more like you know material I got to look into and appreciate it more the more I find out that this is something I really need to do, you know, I don't, I don't feel right if I'm not, if I'm not working on some kind of project. So yeah. from that point on, I mean, I was hooked, you know, and it all started with that movie. Yeah. You know, that famous rap, that kind of, you know, old school, high school.
0: It is a good movie. It is a really good movie. I, just, I actually just saw that for the first time, to be honest with you, like a year ago.
2: Really? Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah. I never really watched Oceans 11, 12 or 13 and I think it was on Netflix or or mm-hmm. one of the two that, that it was on the streaming service. And I like just finally go, okay, I'll watch it. And it was really, I really enjoyed it. And I really liked, um, Saddenberg a lot. Like weirdly enough, like he did the first magic Mike, oh, yeah. Which, yeah, yeah. Which I like a lot. I like magic Mike one and two, even though he didn't do the second one. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so right. yeah, I, like, I, I mean, it, it's really good. It's like, um, like I said, it's, there's something about it. You're right. There is something about that movie that just, it just, it hits all the right buttons.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the pacing, the yeah, story, the pacing the, story, the, everything. The soundtrack. And who's your I favorite, who's your favorite character?
2: character. I, mean, I mean, fun. it's in a, in that one, yeah. probably Rusty, you know. Rusty I mean, is? I, 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 think, I think everyone beats down. Either they have a friend that's like Rusty or mm-hmm. or, or they are that friend.
3: Who's They're Rusty again? Rusty. Which one's Rusty?
2: I, I, I believe Rusty was the character who was, who um, he was basically the, the best friend and he was like the one who would take command if Danny Olsen wasn't around, you know, because normally it's yeah. him who's played by George Clooney Danny yeah. Olson who like, who made up the whole plan. He planned the yeah. life at the beginning. But it's Rusty who, who like, finds everyone, you know, he, he, he finds the crew and he can pull off the hide.
0: Is that Brad Pitt?
2: And as the story continues, yeah, it's Brad Pitt. Oh, so, oh, yeah. so, so Brad Pitt's character plays Rusty and, and he's the one that discovers, okay, you're really doing all this to get your girl back. Now I see what's really going on. He's never about to do it from the guy. You just want to get the girl back, and when that comes to light towards the end, then you know you kind of see a full, a full circle between you know Daniel Olsen starting off in jail because yeah. that's how the movie opens. He's like, then mm-hmm. he's getting pardoned, and him eventually being on the run again because yeah. you know he, he got caught up. So yeah. it's kind of fun how that went full circle, and you know, it was Rusty of
0: all people who discovered it and kind of says, "You know
2: what, man, I get it. Yeah, I understand."
0: So here's a, here's another question for you because you said you you wrote short stories before you wanted to do screenwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you want to do that? Like when? What, what age were you when you were writing those short stories or start writing those short stories? And what were they, like what were they like? Uh, you know, action adventure. You know, like just regular old fantasy things. What, what what were they? Um.
1: Well, back then I think I was really into horror, so I would like yeah. remember those books. Um, like.
2: They kind where you like there was an adventure, and there was like a different page number at the bottom, oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and you got to choose where you got. To I vote. hate those books. Would but I read those, love those them. all the time.
0: <laughs> They're like a relationship. Yeah, yeah,
2: but I kind of felt the same way. Like they somehow grabbed me, but like yeah. they, they were kind of annoying at times. Yeah, Because you get to pages in, like, oh, I, I, I chose wrong, so the story's over already. Yeah, but, but I, um, what was that's it? Kind of what got me into like reading a lot. And, yeah. yeah.
0: I, I was asking mm-hmm. I was gonna ask um what was it like was it it's always like in those books where like there's multiple different endings, but the true ending was either the end or was it end Because there was like i think in uh I think I saw that in the you know, R.L. sign book
1: You know what I'm not sure i haven't I haven't t- taken a look at one in a while, but yeah.
2: I, I get what you're saying. um I think, yeah, some of them were different. the one I read they were like, I wish I could remember the name A. <laughs> Animorphs,
0: I think was oh, the one an- I would always Animorphs. do a
1: lot. Oh, I, I don't can... know if you remember that, but it was like I do. Yeah,
0: no, never got into that. Sorry, I think that was the name. I'm sure. Can't. Yeah.
1: yeah, it was. It
2: was different. It was definitely different. I don't even know how I found it, but like it was something I just kind of got into. Like yeah. I, I like the way the. You know how you go into a bookstore sometimes, mm. and like the, the, the first image you see of the book cover, like kind of grabs you.
3: Yeah, I think
2: that's where I started reading it. Yeah, and then kind of the same thing after that, I read. Um, what was it? The Goosebump novels, like yeah. you know, all those Goosebump stories. Yeah, that's the ones I, really I read. I got into that when yeah. I was little, so I would read a bunch of books. books. Oh. And um, like from there, I would write my own little short stories, mm. like like about ghosts or monsters or whatever. Mm. And then I would watch a lot of TV, on like Power Rangers or you know, who knows what kind of like X Men or whatever. And I yeah. would like kind of make my own stories up from that and yeah. just write little short stories here and there. And next thing you know, I just kind of kept doing it over and over again. I only really remember cause I have a terrible memory, but the one thing I do remember is that. I was in this writing concept mm-hmm. as a kid. We went to some yeah. local park, and I think I did like an episode of, of Arthur. Do you remember Arthur, that animated series? Yes, 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 yes. I do, I do,
3: yes.
2: No, why I chose that story? I mean, I don't know why I chose that show. But like, mm-hmm. I basically wrote my first spec when I was like ten or eleven. I didn't even realize <laughs> that's what it was. But did, did you write I wrote properly? my own episode of Arthur? <laughs> of course not. It was terrible. But um, <laughs> but what's funny is that I guess that um anyone who read it because I also had some illustrations Now as a yeah. sample artist so I was like mostly six figures but um, between the six figure artwork and my, my really crazy story of Arthur people thought it was really funny they thought it was like cool so yeah. I got nominated for some kind of like um prize or whatever in, in, in the writing group we were in so
3: yeah.
2: it was cool like stuff like that so I, I look back on like you know what I've been wanting to do this for pretty much most of my life so yeah. it feels right that I'm doing it now
0: yeah so then, so, then so going 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 back to college, then when you when you start those classes, uh what was that experience like mm-hmm. did like do, did you like learn a lot from that? Was it like mostly like I, what, what, I mean I never went for school for screenwriting, so what was it I mean what was it like <laughs> like you know what I mean
2: Um. yeah, yeah, it was different. it was different. I mean obviously, yeah, up until then, I never had any formal education that was only about screenwriting yeah. I, mean, I was at a bunch of writing classes I read a bunch of books and poetry or whatever mm-hmm. the classics. But I never really knew what it was to read screenplays until
3: yeah. I got to college,
2: and, or I didn't really understand either the format or anything. And what's nice is that um, my first teacher I had actually ended up being my last teacher because she teaches like um, she teaches at the different levels of okay. screenwriting: screenwriting one, screenwriting two, yeah. and thesis. And eventually, I got to the last one. You know, by the time I graduated, but she was always really encouraging. She was always helpful. She took notes really well, and with like she took her time with all this new knew, because no one knew what they were doing. We were all new to it for the most part. And so when I, when I got there, um, I was able to finish my first feature. And I'll never forget the feeling of what it was like to pretty much be in the communications building, because they was like in a basement. Yeah. And pretty much everyone else in there would be like working on some kind of editing project, or they'd be doing some kind of shoot, or they'd be mm-hmm. working on the effects. But I was the guy who had like a blank page in front of him, and I'd be writing a story for five or six hours straight. Oh, wow. And I usually had like a Mountain Dew, or maybe <laughs> I had some kind of, it was Mountain Dew or some other pop, I don't know what, and yeah. I would just sit there and I would write, or I would read, or I would write some more. And yeah. through doing that, like I, I pushed myself to finish my first feature. And it's such an accomplishment, I think, for any writer when you finish the first one. Mm-hmm. Because first of all, you think it's going to change the world because you think <laughs> you're so brilliant. It and is. And second of about. all, um. <laughs> You always picture it being like you know like the next Star Wars or something yeah. because it's going to be so unique, it's so different. Mm. But in reality, it's probably the worst thing ever written. What, what, but it's what? always cool to have finished it because you know it's one thing to have an idea, but to yeah. put it on paper, you know, and see it through to the end. It's always like okay, even if it doesn't go anywhere, at least I have to. So yeah. that was kind of nice to have
0: that feeling in college. Did they, uh, what was your first screenplay about? Then what was your, or, I'm sorry, what was your first feature about?
2: Yeah, yeah. The first feature um, was basically about society um, pretty much destroying itself because the U.S. dollar had, had completely lost its value. Wow. I think during that time, if I remember correctly, in in, in in like that time frame, people were always worried about the recession. It was hard for people to get jobs after college, a bunch of people were already kind of in debt. And I think it was pretty common knowledge that either like we were going to be poor after we graduated or it was going to be one of those things where like, do we go back with our parents? Do we try to find a yeah. new job? Do we change our major? so Everybody was kind of afraid. Like, what happens after this? Are we going to have enough money? Are we going to be able to afford a house? We buy the new car. No one really knew. And then, obviously, by the time we graduated, we all got hit with that student loan. So yeah. we found out the whole way what happens when you go to school, like a four year you know university, without some kind of like assistance or like scholarship. Yeah. It's going to be tough to pay that off. Yeah, and I yeah. think also, like in the news media, like, people worried about. The value of the dollar, it was like, I think for like a year or so, I think I remember like it was almost going down in value. And people are yeah. worried about like, Oh, no, what happens if the U.S. dollar goes away? You know, will it be the euro? Will it be something else? No mm-hmm. one really knows.
0: Well, that's going away so too. I thought,
2: okay. I mean, I can be a of society with, you know, yeah. money and like how, how important it is for people to like, you
3: know,
2: yeah. and work for a living and to afford certain things. So it, it, it's kind of I funny. A story about what happens if the U.S. dollar goes away.
0: It's kind of funny um that you it you mention this now because that's a big concern also I believe the, about the US dollar so it's kind of like interesting that like your first screenplay it mirrors today's uh thoughts about the US dollar and how like you know apparently tomorrow today is January for everyone who's listening, and you know, as I speak, as, 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 p- as transparent as I can be about the podcast, we record these, you know, when I can, and stack up the content, and it's January, and apparently, the US dollar might be pegged to digital currency tomorrow, or they're going to talk about it, actually, um, at, a, at a thing, is is the rumor mill that I read on uh, Twitter, so I don't know how true it is. But it's just funny. It's it's old oh,
2: Twitter, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's just funny that you like your first, like your. Like I said it's a weird coincidence that your first thing is about you know this U.S. dollar failing, and like today in today's climate, that everyone's talking about like the gold standard or like you know the U.S. dollar is going to fail because the Fed's pumping like quantum easing into all this shit. But that's another. That's like chasing the theory. So that's a whole nother podcast. But going back, to you, <laughs> going back to you, like, um, so did. So you did that and then also did you did you work a lot with the people in the film section of the, the college? Like what were you guys like were you guys doing projects on the side? Were they using you for their projects? How what was that relationship like?
2: Yeah, I mean it was kinda I don't know if this was at other schools or other film programs, but yeah. the way we did it there at this college, um, basically when you started out, you had to use actual film. You weren't able to use like the high price like and the brand new, like, like cameras they would have for, like, it, like, I think they had a few Reds or whatever yeah. back then, but, like, you couldn't use them until you were a senior and you had to, like, get all these, like, <laughs> tests out of the way and completely yeah. certain requirements beforehand. So until then, you got stuck with the Ari, I believe is the name of the, of the camera. And mm-hmm. I forget the name of the other one, so I wasn't really a camera that, but we used actual film. So yeah. you had to learn how to splice film and, like, make your own mm-hmm. black and white film without sound. I remember doing that the first time. I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but okay, let's just try it. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't think anyone goes to film school thinking, okay, I'm going to make a black and white film. Yeah. But honestly, I think that's the best way you learn because you get to tell a story and moving images. I agree. And really, that's how movies are. You know, that they're, yeah. they're motion pictures for a reason. I think… So when you first start out, that's yeah. really all you get.
0: I think also, too, like, you know, that's a big test for a filmmaker because I think a I lot mean, of… Yeah, people- a, a lot of filmmakers, yeah. if we still shot on film, I think 90, uh, 80, uh, 80% of the filmmakers who shoot today would not be shooting on, would not be a filmmaker because the the, the, oh, yeah. the process for film, I never yeah. took a film, like, um, a film class in the sense of like making a, a film, a film movie in a sense, but I took film photography because that's what they offered in my college mm. and that was a fun experience and like, as right. much as it was a pain in the butt cheeks, it was Hell of a lot of fun, and it was. It was there's something about it like when you, when you print out the image, even though your cropping sucks, and you know, you're, you're doing what your teacher's telling you, and still somehow mm-hmm. your cropping is like all tilted over the place. Oh, um, it's just that image you're making from this print is just fantastic. it's just a, a feeling you can't really describe. I think,
1: no, yeah, it's always cool to see it for the first time, yeah. um, you know, to see it all come together. And I think, I'm trying to
2: remember back, i try trying to remember the, like, the schedule of classes we have. Like, you yeah. definitely started to go like, the basics and fundamentals. which makes sense. Yeah. And then after a while, I think by the time you get to your sophomore or junior year, that's around the time they expose you to the other programs. And, like, hey, there's a director's program and, like, an actress program. Go meet with them because the scripts you're writing, they'll be the people you're going to work with. So go talk to them and figure it out. So I think, like, in junior year, it's, like, a requirement you have to make, like, at least one short film with, like, mm-hmm. Some other student, from different, you know, field of like filmmaking or whatever. So yeah. you kind of had to go out of your way to meet them and like socialize and network. Mm-hmm. Almost basically, they were teaching you to network. Yeah, and you know, basically have to make friends and go make the, the script you just wrote. Yeah. So that was kind of cool because then you got to meet other people in, in, uh, in the same field you're in, but mm-hmm. obviously doing something else. You Guys, all to come together and make a little stories. So that was definitely a cool experience to do that. Yeah. Um, that being said, um, I think you have to like direct your, your. I think one of the requirements you have to direct your own film, no matter what. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't really know anything about directing, mm-hmm. so I kind of struggled in that department. Yeah. The like, story was fine, but being on set, I wasn't really used to. It. I didn't really have life experience doing that yeah. kind of thing. So that was kind of hard. But um, it's still good to go through that because I think if you're a writer, you need to know what it's like to be on set. You need to know what it takes to for a scene to be lit properly or have a yeah. camera ready or. To have the crew be in such a way that they can get the job done in time, so it's important for anyone to go through that at least once or twice. At least that way you know about it.
3: Oh, I. You, know, agree you don't that.
2: want to spend your entire career on the TV. I mean, front of the computer screen. Um, you want to be on set and see how it all comes together. Well,
0: it's you important. could, but then you live a boring life. I feel like you...
2: <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. That's yeah. true. And like you know, to I... be exposed to a whole process.
0: <laughs> yeah, just a whole bunch of keyboards. Just buying new ones on Amazon all the time because you broke yours <laughs> so um, exactly. Exactly. that's a pretty cool thing like I mean I, I mean again, I was in the art program, and our video department was really small, so we did a lot of our do do it yourself and like hearing what you had to do in college i am like i wish I wish I went to your college,' I'm like, damn, that sounds really fun um <laughs> so then like yeah, did, it was interesting, yeah, and then I guess senior year i guess you had to do like a whole thesis then as well. Yeah,
2: basically, you have to do like the second film uh, yeah. on your own, and then uh, you have a requirement to write like a separate, like feature-length script. So yeah. the so, whole idea is so that wait, whether wait, wait, you're doing wait, wait. TV or or feature, you get to finish at least two stories by the end by the time you graduate.
0: So wait, wait, wait. Let me see if I get this right. So you had to do the whole film by yourself, like as in like just write it. You're not like well, I mean, producing, stuff, like not like make the film. Just per, like write a film and then write another one.
2: Well, I mean, I think the first requirement was like being that, like you have to direct it, like be on set, so okay. you kind of pretty much play play all the different. You wear all the hats, you know. You're the gotcha. producer, you're the director. Okay. Um, but you know, obviously, you can, you can you can get help from other other students in the yeah. program. Oh well, yeah, then outside I mean, yeah. of that, you also write a distill story. Mm-hmm. You don't have to shoot the second story. I mean, I guess you could if you wanted to, but I think that idea was to finish a second story that was just for writing, you know, something that really spoke to you, uh, and then that would kind of be your final project before you graduated.
0: Okay. Okay. Thank you for the clarification. I was like confused for a second. I'm like, wait, what? That's fucking a lot of shit you had to do for a second. But no, that, did you do, did you do a second yeah, script or did you, yeah. do, did you do the optional second script or did you just go fuck this? I'm doing one. And I'm oh done? yeah. Yeah.
2: Definitely. I uh, actually, you know what? No, I, I think I made another movie. I'm sorry. Okay. I made one that was black and white and the other one w- was in color. Yeah. So we were able to use a different camera for that one. so okay. I tried color for that one. And it was cool because I did it at my friend's apartment. He he lived like a mile away from campus Mm. and we shot it all in his apartment and everyone seemed to like it. I mean, there was some problems with the editing on my part and I think some of the, there was some bad lighting here and there, but for the most part, you know, it made sense. People understood it. They kind of liked the way it was going. So it was that (laughs) feeling they got like, Hey, even though it may not be perfect, at least you finished something and you have something to show for it. Yeah, definitely. And people responded to it in some kind of way. So. It's always nice to have that experience, do it at least once or twice. And I think mm. going to film school offers you that opportunity that I'm sure you could do it on your own if you're that motivated and have yeah. the time. But for a lot of us, you may not know where to start or maybe you don't, you don't know that many people who could help you out in whatever neighborhood mm-hmm. you're in or part of the world you're in. So when you go to school, you're bound to run into someone because you're all in the same program. So Yeah, definitely. You need people along the way and kind of hopefully come together and make it happen.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, the one man band thing works for a certain extent and to a certain extent. And then after a while you really do need help. Right. Cause then, then it goes into the whole, like, you know, Jack of all trades, master of none thing. And so, right. I mean, right. especially being young and naive and shit like that. Like even being me being a young filmmaker, I think, I think I can do everything by myself, but now I, I, I learned the hard way that, you know, you can't, <laughs> I can't write, you know I mean? I usually right. you write my story, you know, like, right. I, I can't fucking do sound. I'd have someone else <laughs> do that for me. So, um, so after, after college, um, what did you do?
1: Um, after college,
2: I went back home for a little bit, cause mm-hmm. like I said, everybody I was going to be in debt for a while. Yeah. So I stayed with my parents for like a year or so, saved up money. And mm-hmm. I think I just got some kind of part-time gig around my hometown for a while. Yeah. then it was actually a friend of mine from college who had moved straight to LA
3: mm-hmm.
2: and um, he was still kind of breaking in but he was able to get a job at CBS oh, cool! For, for their page program, okay. and the page program is basically those people who wear those red jackets and they like help out with the, the audience when they go to live yeah. tapings of like game shows or, or like if it's like a comedy they, they need a live audience for a laugh track Yeah. so the pages would be the fun to make sure the audience gets their own time and when seated and mm-hmm to help with, like, food, or you know, sex or whatever. And I basically just there to make sure everyone in the audience were the supposed to be. So I eventually moved out to L.A. and he was able to get me that same job. Yeah. So that was my first in the industry doing, you know, a paid program at CBS.
3: But yeah.
2: It was nice because a lot of people at that time were either around my age or a little bit older and we all pretty much had the same dream of either being a writer, director, actor, yeah. what have you. And it was cool because it felt like we were like we it felt like we were almost like we were in the military or something. Like we, we had this bond like this band of brothers. Yeah. Like it was always kind of hard to deal with the audience because some of them would be homeless. And I think some of them were kind of drunk or higher or something. So yeah. they weren't always like tourists from like Canada. Sometimes they're kind of weird people. We had to deal with it. You know, you had to put up with them. What's wrong with Canada?
0: What's wrong with Canada?
2: No, no, I'm saying that's a good thing. Like, there's always nice people oh, in Canada, oh, oh, so they're easy to talk oh, okay, to. Like, okay. Sometimes you get, like, the weirdos who walk in, because a lot of the tapings, <laughs> yeah. like, the people, like, the audience members, yeah. Um, it's either free, and they want to get, like, a free snack, which I yeah. understand, or, like, to give you, like, 7 or $8 an hour to, like, show off in, like, a nice clothes, like, in, like, button-down shirts, and yeah. clap and yell and scream at the same time. You know, it, it's all part of the show. Yeah, yeah. And your job as a paid, make like, sure so that they do all those things, so... Sometimes they're difficult, but I think sometimes they're fun too. Like they went all bad, but yeah. every now and then you get some crazy person trying to like be too loud or they're caught mm-hmm. some kind of scene. And, you know, there's always something happening. D- but like I said, we were all in it together. We're all yeah. around the same age. So it was fun to be in the trenches and kind of, be in that studio atmosphere and see how that was like. Yeah, definitely. Looking
0: you know, fault Uh Did you work on always the same show? or Was it always something different? Like, did you, like, I mean, in the sense of like w- hours at work, like, you know, did you work with the morning shift, the night shift, day shift, you know, and... In-
2: but that's just it. It was basically, um like, it was as needed. They, they would post oh. schedules like, on like online mm-hmm. and you'd have to pick, like, do I want to do the um, Drew Terry show, The Price is Right. Uh, okay. so I want to do American Idol with with the Stars. So you pick kind of what we are able to do. And obviously if you can do all of them, by all means do all of them. Yeah. But a lot of people had second jobs. Not everyone had a car. Mm. I think certain people like, because there were some shows that would be really short too, like there would be a four hour show. Yeah. So it's like if it, maybe it's not worth time to go in because like you live really far away. Because CBS was located at had two, had two stations back then. Mm. There's one you know, like by Fairfax and Beverly, like in Hollywood. Yeah. And the other one's in Studio City. It's on the other side of the hill. Is
0: that so by the Warner Brothers lot? Is it, is it one of them by the uh, Warner Brothers lot or something like that? Or am I thinking of something else?
1: I don't think so. No. Because
2: okay. Warner Brothers is in Burbank and, oh, and, and that's shit. separate.
0: My bad. I'm getting my yeah.
2: Mind. Yeah. No, no, it's cool. But like um, but like I said, they have one in Sherman Oaks. I mean, <laughs> they have one in Studio City and yeah. one in, 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 uh, in Hollywood. Yeah. So, it's like I get if there's like a four hour shift and you live like by the beach or something, then it may not be worth it to drive like an hour just to get to Hollywood or like an hour and a half to get to Studio City to only work for like a few hours. So, sometimes, you know, people just wouldn't go in. You have to get someone else to cover for you. Yeah. But for the most part, I mean, people are always trying to make money and be involved. So, Mm -hmm. there is some opening. Odds are somebody will take it. So, if you can't take it, then someone else will.
0: So, also going to your uh, the band brothers that you're talking about, like, did you guys get together after work or when you guys weren't working and worked on material together? Did you guys do that shit or um, was it like just you guys? Um, I, about think, work? I
2: think some people just here and there. Here and there. Mm. To be honest, I think by the end of the set, people just wanted to like cool down and like yeah. I think a lot of the times so we would go grab a drink, we'd go yeah. get food, or we'd always like exchange information, like hang out at each other's apartments because yeah. we were all poor. We no one had any yeah. money. Yeah, and a few people that did probably had help from the parents, which I understand too. But the most were like, hey, we're all just kind of having a good time. And, you know, a lot of us maybe, like, I think a few people took it super seriously and they may have, like, a couple of side projects here and there. Yeah. But for the most part, it was just about making friends and kind of, like, having a good time in LA. Yeah. yeah. And um I like, guess now and again, like, you'd obviously work on some kind of project with someone, but mm-hmm. that wasn't the reason to hang out. The reason to hang out was kind of like, you know, to relax after a long day of like standing on your feet or dealing with like crazy uh, you know, customers or tourists who came by. So yeah. It was always nice to send to each other, like, hey, do you have to deal with so and so? Yeah, 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 you know, I saw that happen, you know. It's all good. We got through together. So yeah. it was nice to be in that atmosphere. Like I yeah. said, we're all like around the same age. Yeah. But we all more or less had the same dream. So yeah. everyone was on like the same level the whole time.
0: Now, did you did you write scripts during your time off when when you weren't working? were you doing that stuff and still, were you still, you know, um, in to pre- be honest, I, to
2: be honest At, uh, at first I didn't like, I was still like, my eyes were all wide open. I was yeah. like young. I think I was 22 or 23 at the time. So at that point I was just happy to be to be out of my home, out of my parents' house, yeah. being in LA. So I didn't really take it too, too seriously when I first got there. But after yeah. like the first six months, I'm like, okay, I've been here for a while. It's starting to feel like home. And then around then, I, I think I'd be writing new material. Mm. And which is good, because you don't want to take too much time off of doing your craft. It's okay to take a little bit of time off, but yeah. you don't want to stay away from it too long. So after those first six months, I started to do some more stuff. And yeah. I got myself in a schedule where if I wasn't working a long sift, I would go to the local library and just work on a story. Mm-hmm. And I would do that for a few hours every day. That uh, definitely helped.
0: What was it when you start writing again and doing that? Were you writing the horror films again, or were you just like kind of open to any um, project? Uh, or any idea that you had in your mind, like,
2: it was um, like- I was open to anything, really. Mm. Yeah, I was I was open to anything at that time. I yeah. think I um, I wrote a couple of different stuff, but the one that sticks out the most was this uh, this pilot I was writing. Just because I've never done a pilot before, so I yeah. wanted to try it out. I was so I used to writing features, and then the idea I had it was so crazy. The idea I had was that Hawaii would be hit by the biggest earthquake in history, and the whole like city, like the whole sprawl of l a was would, would pretty much crumble, yeah, and the idea was that it w- it was man made it was engineered by like our own technology,
3: mm-hmm. and the
2: reason was that um this this kind of uh this person in the u n was always had a tip on the shoulder. he's like a yeah. mad scientist type of person, and he would try to tell people that you know um climate change was happening or like c- certain things were happening to the atmosphere of earth, and no mm-hmm. one's like listening to him. So he felt some type of way people ignored him in the U.N. Yeah. So he decided to like, build his own little like, machine that controls the weather, like, 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 a, like a huge machine that would like dictate lightning or rain or snow or fire or, in this case, an earthquake. And so the, the premise was that he used this machine that no one knew about, obviously, and he brought the entire area of, of Southern California to its knees and just made the biggest earthquake happen in history. And so my story picks up after he does that, And you see the survivors kind of come out of the woodwork and see what kind of world's left over for them. And they're wondering why no one's there to help. Like, there's no kind of, like, assistance. Because what he does is that not only did his weather machine take down Southern California, it took down every single country with, like, disasters, whether it was, like, wildfires or flooding. So, you know, like, when a natural disaster happens, you expect the government to step in and help out.
3: Mm.
2: But my idea was, like, what happens if there's no one to help out? What happens if you call 911 and there's no one on the other side of the phone? Like it just goes to voicemail or something. So the idea was that these people would pretty much be left to their own devices. Like they'd have to make their own choices, like where am I going? How do I live? There's no one here to direct me. So I think in that time I was feeling like, you know, people have to make their own decisions about what happens next in their life, especially when they come to a place like LA. Yeah. And what happens if you don't have a safety net? You know, not that one has rich parents. So it's hard to like, Make your own way. So I try to personify that in this disaster type of film where these characters all had like different paths and like motivations to survive. And mm. like, there was one I think that I made that was, was like a serial killer. He was like in prison, but after the earthquake, he survived and it was free. Oh, there was this other girl who was like a secretary, but she became like this badass assassin. And this other character, the guy was like, I don't know, he, he was trying to, he was like a lowly PA, but <laughs> he somehow survived when all the other people on the show were, were like dead because they all got they were all you know yeah. in the rubble of the earthquake and that's he a, like got away and like you know became stronger over time but you know just doing stuff like that yeah so, it's a, that's a unique so, band of characters yeah it was fun writing it. I, I had a good time writing it it was always a lot of fun to dig into their past and how they would you know coordinate this new world mm-hmm. that was left in like, pieces,
0: like I have a question for you too um, when you write like I have a friend uh, who's on the podcast, Lamar Bell. He was uh, on, it you know, two weeks ago. And he said when he writes, he starts with a log line and works his way backwards. Is that how you write? Or do you just go into, like, do you have an idea? And then from there, I don't, how do you, how do you, how, what's your process then?
2: Um. Usually when I start off, I have to have an idea to go. Like, usually yeah. what happens is, hear, it, it normally comes to you that's usually how it goes. I hear, like, a song or a Maybe some kind of like tune or whatever, and it'll like put a story or an image in my head. Yeah, and then from there, I like start to think about it more and more. Okay. And if the idea sticks with me, like I can't get out of my head, mm-hmm. then, I'll, then I'll start to put it on paper, like not in any kind of strict format. I'm just gonna put it like on the page yeah. and see what it comes out. And if I like what comes out, I'll structure it a little bit better and kind of work backwards and start making an outline. Yeah. And then I'll start researching themes, character biographies, things like that. Yeah. Um, the log line, usually for me, comes like towards the midway process. And that's something I'm going to figure out right away. Yeah. But obviously, it's something that I want to get down path before like, I get too, too deep into it. Mm-hmm. Because without knowing your log line, you don't really know where your story is going. You kind of want to have that down, you know, completely. Yeah. But for me, like I said, it usually starts with some kind of. Random song that seems to yeah. inspire me, whatever it is. Maybe it's something like radio, maybe it's something on Spotify. Yeah, but something will speak to me, and then I'll see an image or a story in my head, yeah. and I kind of go from there.
0: That's interesting. I mean, that's that's really cool. Like just knowing, like learning, like your process and learn like knowing someone else's process and seeing like what the differences are. And it's just it's just fascinating how people's brains work. And that's really, oh my god, that's so like cool that you you find your idea through a song you know or something that you hear on the radio uh you know that's just that's i mean yeah it's always been important to me i I think a lot of writers um that i've talked to
2: anyway like they need to hear something when they're writing it can either be like a podcast it can be like Mm -hmm. jazz music it can be like it it could be edm whatever but as long as you have something going on in the background that usually speaks to like the emotion of the story you're writing or the emotion of the character or the theme you know, and what what a lot of writers do are find um, they'll listen to soundtracks of other movies or T V yeah. shows that also helps them get caught. Like if you have a favorite movie and you love the soundtrack, why not listen to it while you're writing? It might inspire you. So a lot of people do it that way where they listen to something that inspires the story they're working on and gives them a little push to finish it.
0: Yeah. Do you do you uh, still go back to that, um do you uh, the the sorry, the disaster movie that you are telling me about, do you go back to that at all and like kind of work around, mm-hmm. do you still work on that or do you like, still go, I'm done with it, I'm good, I'm, I'm happy? Um,
1: I did a couple of rewrites mm-hmm. back when I first moved to LA, you know, the, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it was four or five
2: years ago, but since then I haven't really touched it. Because, I mean, after a while, after you do like three or four rewrites, it's either going to get a little better or you're going to mess it all up because you're overthinking it, so... Yeah. True. For me, after I do a few revisions on a project, if I feel happy enough with it, even though it's never going to be perfect, then I leave it alone.
3: Yeah. If
2: for some reason somebody wants to look at it or if I, you know, if I pitch it to someone and they're interested, then my all means I'll look at it, you know, at yeah. the sixth time and see what else I can do to it. But for the most part, at that point, I leave it alone. So, and I move on to the next story.
0: Yeah. So then what so you do the CBS, you you're doing that you're doing, you know, you're starting to right now, six months into the, into living in L.A. Um, or California, I should say, um, to be more proper, I guess. With, um, So what are, what are you doing next? What's the next steps in your life?
1: After that, um, I kind of had some roommate issues with where we were living at the time. And mm-hmm. I think my money was worth low because L.A. is so expensive.
3: Yeah.
2: In those first six months, I was going out way too much. That's yeah. money I really didn't have. Yeah, yeah. So like many young people back then, it was either like, like go back home, live with parents, go yeah. back to school, or do I somehow find a way to make it work? Yeah. And I'm like, I want to make it work. I don't want to go home. I, I, I haven't been out here that long. Yeah. But obviously, I couldn't afford that yeah. way. And that's actually what brought me to Las Vegas. Oh. My roommate at the time, his older brother had stayed in Vegas mm. like for several years. He like, hey, guys, it's really cheap to live there. If you're trying to go back, I'll go with you. I'll help you find a spot. And he did. So we got this uh, three bedroom condo in Centennial Hills oh, in, yeah. in Las Vegas.
3: I remember dropping you off. there
2: once. it was a Vegas neighborhood. It's a, it's a fairly nice neighborhood, you know. As yeah. far as I knew, I didn't see any crime. It was gated communities. Yeah, it was right by, by the, the mountains, you know. So yeah,
0: it's new cool. too. It's newer. So after I
2: moving out there, you know. I, yeah, yeah, it's newer, and it, for like I said, it, like everything seemed fun. There's nothing like shady about it. It was kind of a good deal. And it yeah. really was cheap to live in Vegas compared to LA. because like night and day, just compared yeah. to the prices and cost of living. So yeah, now the cost of living it is just going made up. Sense to go out there. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, unfortunately <laughs> now it's yeah. kind of catching up a bit. Yeah, but back man. then, man, we got three bedroom condo for eight hundred dollars. Yeah, man, eight hundred. That I'll, was like when I, I, can't m- try. I don't know.
0: <laughs> when I moved into my first apartment, I was paying six hundred five, and now at the I'm I'm living in a two bedroom, um, I'm paying twelve hundred like twelve something me, me, between me and my roommate. Um, my poor girlfriend, I love her to death, but I'm gonna put her on blast right now. But she's paying like thirteen hundred for a one bedroom apartment. Really? Yeah. So Interesting. Yeah, it's 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 going crazy because of the Raiders and all that shit. So that's a whole nother ball of wax, I think, to begin with. I think there's gonna be a. Well, that's I guess
2: with the Raiders coming town.
0: yeah, but it it shouldn't yeah. like I read like it somewhere it shouldn't it shouldn't really raise the prices that much. And I think there's too much of a supply and demand problem where there's too much supply and not enough demand starting to happen, or slowly starting to happen. So we'll see what happens in the next like. Really? It, yeah, because they're building so much shit, dude. Like they are building so many homes. Like where my parents live, there's a shit ton of like developments. Mm-hmm. They live. Um, my parents live at like in Henderson. They live like a uh like heading to Lake Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole new, like, 55 and older community. And okay. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, And then there's, like, about four or five uh-huh. developments of houses being built around them and shit. And then there's other places, too, out, like, by um, the 215 oh. and Rainbow. If people don't know, that's on the west side of the town. There's building a lot more places over there, too. And it's, like, I think there's going to be a supply and demand problem, to be honest. And I and by the time this is released, that it might happen. It might not. Or it might have been starting to happen. Who knows? it's just my theory and my, what I'm seeing with my eyes.
1: That's interesting, Matt. Right? So, so I remember back in the day, because yeah. you mentioned the Lake Las Vegas, right, Like
2: the, the, the upscale neighborhood where like back in the day when the housing crisis happened, there was yeah. the empty buildings and a bunch of oh. businesses had to leave. But yeah. I wonder if now they're trying to fill it back up again. They are, I think they are actually.
0: They, can somehow they are filling fill it back up. Back they are, because okay. you know what, I went there recently because um, about about a year ago now, um, or maybe a little a little less. But I was gonna film a project and we were doing do a trailer and yeah. I needed to find a uh, like a really I wanted to find a I had a really good location that I came on excuse me, accident accidentally actually happy accidents of going down to Lake Las Vegas one day in general and, you know, I came I went mm-hmm. the wrong way and I went into this area where there's like a mountain view kinda like up up top or whatever. It's not really a mountain view, but it's like mm-hmm. a you know, a flat area where you can see like the strip and it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful like section of like seeing the strip and stuff like that from far away. And I was like, Oh shit, I need to find this again for the, for this film. Um, and funny enough, I'm like, I haven't gone there in a long time. And it's been like I said, a long time to go there. And I'm like, where are all these fucking houses coming from, dude? I'm like, damn, like, what the fuck, man? Like when they build these things, I don't remember this being here last time. There's a boatload of houses there now. Perfect. And I see. And then there's like even yeah. more being built too. So I, yeah, it's, it's crazy.
2: I like it though. I mean, I hope, I hope they make something out of it because I always liked the Lake Las Vegas area. I thought it was like something that really you would only know about if you lived in Vegas, like the locals only really knew about it. Yeah. So it felt like a secret no, I and agree. being yeah. there, it felt like we were a whole new world. It's kind of cool being out here. I mean, it's kind of out of the way, but you know, it's kind of cool to be yeah. there for like a good day trip or something. If you're yeah. trying to if you try to get away from the strip or the downtown area or somewhere, whenever you can go to Lake Las Vegas and chill out for the day and get some drinks or walk around the water, you know,
0: Oh yeah. It's a fun little getaway. It is a nice little getaway. It's a, it's, um, I, I haven't been been there in a long time. I kind of want to go back in the summer when they had like the, uh, I I really want to try the wakeboarding. (laughs)
2: I know. I, I've always wanted to try that. And I remember they would have, I think right as I left, at the last year I was there, they kept showing these movies on the lake, like Jaws or something. Oh, yeah. So I've, I've, I've heard about like, that, yeah. Could, like be on the lake? Like, that sounds so- I never did it, but it sounds yeah. really fun. I wouldn't know? want to watch Jaws on the be lake. Be on the water <laughs> and watch a big movie. <laughs> <laughs> they, well, my thing was like, what happens if you have to go to the bathroom and you're in the middle of a bunch of people? Yeah. Do you paddle out? Are you going to make it in time? Like, you just, well, hopefully if you have to go pee, you just pee there. <laughs> Fuck it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. But, I, guess, I guess no one's looking. You're all right. No, you know?
0: <laughs> you're by a ra- bunch of people. You can you can like just look at them and go, excuse me, what did you do? <laughs> like just, Pardon what? me, sir. <laughs> Pardon me, sir, but uh, did you just piss in my area?
2: <laughs> exactly. exactly. So, it's, like, it's, so, it's so warm over here. It's kind of cold out in there, yeah. but it's warm in this right. area. It's I a little why. chilly.
0: I have my, I have I my sweat know, jacket man. on <laughs> in the water. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see something
2: Oh, man.
0: So, so you move out to Vegas. But, like,
2: see, that's what I'm talking about. Small yeah. like that makes me miss Las Vegas a little bit because, you know, you can't find it anywhere else. You know, it's, yeah. it's life in the desert, really.
0: Yeah. Life, life, life in the bubble. I call it life in the bubble because Vegas is a bubble to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when you move down no, here. No, actually, it's funny you say that. Yeah. I, would, I would read a bunch of books about
2: Vegas, and that's how everyone saw it like a bubble.
0: Yeah, dude, it is because it's like, you know, you you're in your own, like, like the i I'll never forget the first time I was driving to the down to the ninety five, because I I when I came in I it was a nighttime, and you know my cousin drove me to his house uh you know at night obviously, so the next day I had to go to an interview and I I'm like going down to the ninety five to get to where I need to go, and I'm like whoa all these mountains around me I feel like I'm in my own little world, it's just the it's just the coolest thing it's like, it's just so like. To me, it's breathtaking because coming from the east, and maybe this is true for you too, because you're from uh, uh, Illinois, right? Mm-hmm. The Chicago oh, area, yeah, Illinois, be... all that stuff. Um, yeah, the Midwest. The Midwest. The wide know, open space. Wide open space, but also okay. a lot of green. A lot. You see a lot of green, and I'm and I wasn't used to that. Seeing like a lot of green. yeah, and you don't see a lot of green out here, yeah. and and when you do it, you appreciate it. But when you don't, I think it's beautiful seeing <laughs> the the dirt. To be honest, like if you want to be like really vague about it, like, or really, uh, yeah, kind of it. Yeah. Kind of it. Just, oh shit, this is cool. Like, it's just a fucking, the mountains are just so beautiful. They look like mat matte mat paintings from like the 50s and 60s, from those f- films. You know? Yeah, it's classic. It's, it's, it's classic. Yeah, there's just something about it. It's like, so so, <sighs> oh, not now I want to go in the mountains somehow, and just, hide. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, or hiking in, in yeah, the canyons
0: Somewhere, you know, just you just see me like lost in La La Land somewhere, just floating around. Yada yada yada. Uh so hey so, <laughs> so when you moved here and yeah. you got settled in, how quickly did you go to Fremont East?
1: I don't know what's crazy is that I think I got
2: like the call in the U haul on the way to my apartment. Oh like, shit. From LA as we we're moving all of our stuff, I think. That's it was Sam so or someone who called me, like, hey, we got your resume. Yeah. We, to have you come in. I'm like, really? Like, yeah, yeah, you have a good resume. Um, by all means, if you can be here like a Monday or whatever, like, okay, cool. So, yeah. on the way there, that's when I got a job offer. So, I felt so lucky. Like, clearly, I made the right choice because yeah. if I was in LA, I would have been struggling to find a job. It would have been so hard to find something. But after just making a few, like, emails and a few calls around town, I got this interview at a studio of all yeah. So, why not? You know, it's, it's meant to be yeah so you know from there it was history. I you know talked to Sam obviously, I met all you mm-hmm. guys and,
1: and that was it. I was a few months East for a bit.
0: yeah, man. yeah what, 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 how, what, what was
1: your time at three on East like? I liked it. Well, Well that- um it was good, you know I mean, obviously yeah. I was in the front office of Sam for the beginning, yeah. and then she eventually left. but um
2: <laughs> you know it was cool being in uh, the downtown community yeah. as a whole because obviously well, not obviously, but I want to say for most people, I guess, when you think of Vegas, you don't think of any kind of, like, community. You don't think of any kind of, like, families or yeah. children or schools or oh, yeah. post offices. You think of, like, partying or drinking or drugs, which, you know, that kind of is what Vegas is, you know, and gambling. Yeah. So when you live there and you go to a place like, you know, downtown Fremont Street, you think, like, where am I? Like, what is this place? Who are these people? Yeah. So for me to be down there, like, ground zero among, like, the DTP stuff and mm. Tony Se and Zephyr and all that. It was cool seeing the other side of this mystical town that everyone wants to be at. But yeah. No one truly understands or like, unless you live there, really knows how it is to be there like full time. Yeah, yeah. So being in that transient city, being involved with all you guys and, you know, kind of meeting everyone was kind of cool because I never knew that kind of thing existed in Vegas. I never knew people like try to create or try to like, do things like that in like Sin City. You know, I thought they would just want to go gamble and drink. I didn't know yeah. they actually had lives or had dreams <laughs> and like had certain things that they wanted to do because you never think of that when you think of the death. You never yeah, think you of know, that when you think of the strip.
0: It, it, it's sad but though. It's being sad. Being there that, it, around
2: all that was really inspiring. So yeah. It was cool.
0: It's. It, I just feel. I find it sad that people like. It's. It's just like you know. It's their obviously their first thought. Like there's so much more to it. Like, you know, like you said, Fremont. Like I don't. I don't equate Fremont to like the Strip because everyone just thinks the Strip. I like to take people down to Fremont when they come visit because I want them to experience another side of Vegas, that community side, in that mm. regard. And uh, you know, even like just going to Town Square or um, you know, Town Center in Summerlin. Mm. You know, there's there's different parts that people like. I like to give people the experience yeah, of yeah. a local. house. cool. Yeah. Um, what was it too? Uh, fuck. Oh, what was I going to tell you? Uh, Same here,
2: dude. Like whenever I hear friends, like in LA go to Vegas, I tell them they do local stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh my God. There's some, oh, you know what? Did you know, did you know, did you know this? Uh, hopefully you did. You know, honey, I blew up the kid, right? You ever see honey, I blew, I blew up the kid. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, Fremont is like basically where they shot right. like that part, right? Cause it took place in Vegas. Mm-hmm. so i mean i i just i i think of whenever people like yeah. i think of fremont i just think of honey i blew up the kid <laughs> so yeah definitely yeah uh that. it's a great movie <laughs> so so fremont <laughs> east how long are you there for and like you know why why did you leave um you know that the, that whole road
2: I think I was there for like a year and a half, um, give or take. Mm. I think around the time I was leaving, everyone was kind of, I think, headed out for the most part where they were like on their way out. I yeah. think Phil had left by then, and I think, what was the one dude's name? Uh, Jacob? And also left, too. Yeah, Jacob, yeah. Jacob left, or I think he was on his way out. So
3: yeah. I
2: can kind of tell that things are kind of taking a turn. But, yeah. um, plus, with that, I think he was kind of just Saying okay, we need this person. We don't need this person. And I think my name finally got called up to say, okay, it's time for you to go. I'm like, all right, I understand. Yeah. Uh, but I was appreciative of the opportunity. I sent her a nice email like, thank you so much for letting me be a part of this. Mm. And then um you know, but during that year or so, like that was when they had uh all the DTP stuff going on, and I got to see more of the community. They mm. would all I remember. They would all go over there and they'd have like that TED Talk type of scenario yeah, like yeah, the yeah. studio way. All those all And those all like have yeah. speakers and little parties afterwards. And it was just kind of cool to see all that you know like start from the beginning to end and yeah. they have that, that reset project with all those people coming on the weekends doing like yoga and stuff. And yeah. Like I said it was just kind of cool seeing the community come together in this creative space and you know the green screen and mm-hmm. the drones and
0: Holy Freeman stuff.
2: and Thoroughlin it was just it was an interesting place to be you know.
0: Yeah man. It a lot don't... was going on. Dude, downtown is, like, a different beast now. You would not... It's not the same at all. It's it's sad. It's, it's like... you say it's gotten better or worse? Oh, or? I think it's gotten worse, dude. because, you know, they got rid of the rangers, obviously, and then, like, there's more homeless people downtown now. Yeah. You know, like, honestly... Oh, I, no. I, it's an... Like, I feel like it's an ongoing joke in my head, where it's, like every six months to a, you know, every six months, I feel like they're revitalizing downtown somehow. It's not through downtown project or anything of that nature. It's like the uh, downtown trying to revitalize downtown. Mm. And it's just, it doesn't feel like, again, like I said, I haven't gone there in a long time. I haven't gone out much in general. Yeah, You know, I, I do, I'm, I'm old now. So I just like to stay in and watch TV and Friday night, you know, mm-hmm. me and my girlfriend eat zoodles, you know, shit like that. We're, we're, yeah. we're 30 something now and we're, we're not going to be drinking on heavily on a Friday night, but like, I haven't gone. down. I'm like, I'm just so like yeah. over that uh, whole downtown thing and it's overpriced and shit too. I feel like it's, you know, like, uh, like I, I stopped going really when, when gold really? spike, when gold spikes started charging guys to get into the, the gold spike. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm like fuck this. I'm like I ain't going downtown anymore. They charge now? Yeah, man. It's like a frat. Yeah. I'm not paying to get me gold. I mean, what's yeah, dude. School, but it's not it was twenty bucks I think to get in or some shit like that. Like it's some bullshit. I mean, again, twenty bucks. It, dude,
2: again, it's not like we uh, I'm <laughs> like this trip at like you know the RIA or something. Like come on,
0: dude. It, but again, I haven't been there in a long time, so hopefully okay. it changed. So you know, the I think the only time I go downtown if I want White Castle. Yeah. <laughs> If I'm, if, if I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, castle, i white I'll go right, downtown. Right in the corner. <laughs> so, you know. So then um mm-hmm. when you when you left Fremont. Yeah. What did you do after that?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, after that I actually stayed in the downtown area. I worked for a startup company called Maya, M Y A A was the company. Yeah, what they do. And it was cool because um I think I was I was I was there with CC and she okay. was doing animation for him and Basically, they would do these these thirty second or 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 it was either thirty second or a minute long commercials. Yeah, and basically, you would just go on the website, you would fill out the form, and you either have color, black and white. You could have like, or it could be a live action. Yeah, and we would basically give you a thirty second commercial that you could use for your business. Oh, cool! And my job there was to kind of like do all the writing, so I would talk to the client, whoever that was, like for the company and they would give me their idea of what they wanted to talk about, the kind of things they wanted to mention in the ad.
3: Yeah.
2: And so I would be the one to write the script, I would improve it, and then after my stage was done, I had to talk to my clients for a while, I'd give it to Stacey and see do the animation and make it all come to life. Oh. If Stacey couldn't do it, I think they outsourced a couple jobs as well to other people. I think in India, they were also doing animation, so we'd have a couple different animators yeah. working on the scripts I wrote to make them come to life. So it was kind of cool to see that. yeah. And uh, it was it was nice because it was in this um what is I forget the name I think it was called Work in Progress. Oh yeah, it was Whip. Like, this old community building. Yeah, yeah, um, by the school in Fremont.
3: Yep, and it was nice
2: because again you got to see a sense of got to see a sense of like downtown you know Las Vegas. So a bunch of these startups were all in this huge building. They and there was like free coffee, open tables that have like some pizza nights in the basement sometimes or in the garage I think. Yeah. So it was just kind of cool to be there among everyone else who was like either a part of a startup or they were trying to get hired by a startup. So mm. that was kind of fun. Unfortunately, um the company didn't last too long because the CEO, bless his heart, was like a great salesman. He had a great vision, yeah. but he wasn't the best at delegation. So uh, after a while, the work kind of slowed up, their steam bounced, and it was just time to go. So was like, oh, it was a good experience, but... The money's not there. It happens. Yeah. You know, not all startups make it that long, and unfortunately, this was one of them that just couldn't make it. Yeah. So I had to leave that job because I was getting
0: paid. understandable
2: <laughs> You can't put. The, uh, you don't um, put the free in the freelance. After so many that, times. I found a job. at a uh, Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You can't just work for. I mean, you got bills to pay. I mean, I know yeah. Vegas is cheap, but it's not free. Yeah. You, know? you gotta gotta pay for stuff.
0: <laughs> no, exactly, man. You can't. <laughs> like, hey, can you work for free? No. <laughs> So what happened uh, after that?
2: Yeah, And then after that, I got a job at uh, I got a job at TripAdvisor, of all places. Oh. They had an office in North Las Vegas, I think, like mm-hmm. off of Rainbow Boulevard. Yeah, And it was lucky because I had recently moved from Centennial Hills to that very street, not knowing. Yeah, And so the office was, was like literally a mile down from where I was staying at. I was really lucky with that. And TripAdvisor was different. I've never been in a corporate job before. I've never worked in like. That kind of cubicle. I mean, I've had like, I've had like, uh, what do you call it? Like, I've worked in call centers before, yeah. trying to sell stuff. But TripAdvisor is more like customer service. You're trying to help customers who already paid for things. Yeah. So you were in this corporate environment. We had a clock in and clock out. You have a little cubicle. Mm-hmm. You'd send emails all day. You'd be on the phone. But what's nice is that you would get like a lot of overtime opportunities. They had yeah. health insurance. Okay. Um, the people there were always interested. Like, you know how it was, um, Back when people would work at Zappos, they would kind of say it was like a whole, whole new world because people would be drinking on the job, or they'd have like
0: yeah that whole thing yeah
2: they, they, they'd be able to bring the dogs in or it's like games going for little audience here and there yeah it kind of felt that way It Zappos. It wasn't as crazy as Zappos, obviously yeah. You had this sense that everyone's just kind of doing their own thing. Like there's some people who are really old who've been there for years, mm-hmm. some people who were like me who are brand new to it all who just been there for a few months or less yeah. And everyone's there just to kind of get that easy paycheck, that overtime and you know, back up your money because the odds are you're either trying to leave Vegas or maybe you just got here or you're trying to help out like a family member or something because yeah. a lot of people I feel like moved out there to like save up money to send back home or something and, and I get that, you know, it happened. Yeah. So it, it was interesting to see like diversity of people such young and old, you know, black, white, like Latino, like basically like all this like, a diverse group of people just basically working together like this mm. in, in, in this corporate culture. Yeah. And, that was nice for me because through that job, I was able to save up so much money that I bought my first car. Nice. Paid off all my debt. Yeah, yeah. I stocked up my bank account with a crazy amount of money. Mm. And without that job and few monies and basically in Vegas as a holder in that time, how cheap it was. Yeah, I never would have been able to afford to come back to LA, and that's where I'm at now. Thankfully, it's Las Vegas. What made you? So I was able what- to stack up all that money and play. Yeah.
0: What what made you uh you know go? I'm gonna go back to L.A. Like what? When did you realize that you're like I should go back to L.A.
1: Um, I would say about after my first year or so
2: after being in Vegas. I mean, I definitely had a good time. You know, I made a lot of good friends. I met you guys. It was cool. But in the back of my mind, I'm like a lot of the friends I I you know I had made, and at that time, you got to figure. LA being so close I would try to visit LA as much as I could and my yeah, roommate would go back all the time so true. I felt like I had two different lives I had one life in Vegas in the desert and my other life was in LA with the friends I made there and you know working at CBS and all that yeah. so part of it was all like, man you missing now you gotta get back to LA with everyone else you gotta be back in it but at the same time I don't have enough money to do that I can't mm-hmm. pick up and leave so it was one of those things where like I liked Vegas for what it provided for me but I was still in love with LA like the whole time like my heart was still in LA
3: you feel like Do so, you, you feel
2: like you are cheating the money on in L.A.? To, the stuff, was, yeah, yeah. To be honest, I felt like that because it's like yeah. there, there were some weekends, like some days I had a really good time in the Vegas, whether it's hiking or going out with friends or going out on the strip or whatever back yeah. then, you know, it was just fun time. So it's like, man, maybe I could stay, maybe I could stay, but then other times I'm like, no, no, you, you have to stay true to yourself. Go back to L.A. and yeah. get back in the Hollywood mix and, the ho- and that kind of lifestyle. So otherwise, I feel like as cool as Las Vegas was, one thing Kim taught taught me is that a lot of people who came into the studio, as good intention as they were, they didn't always have the money, and they felt like everyone else would just work on their project for free. And you know, yeah. they expected this LOE standard in a Las Vegas studio. It's like, come on, man! You got to yeah. have some reasonable expectations. You got to come with the money. You know, follow through. Yeah. So it's like after seeing all that happen, like from um, you know a few my east perspectives and how that went down, I'm like, well, this place is really cool. There's a lot of opportunity. But at the same time, if you really want to take this seriously, you got to be in L.A. You got to like actually be there with everyone else. You can't do it from the desert. Yeah. So for me, I had to. I thought it'd be important, you know, just to be a writer anyway. We're already so like kind of quiet, kept to ourselves, and from the computer all day. It would at least help to have an opportunity to meet other writers. What you do when you're in L.A. You come to meet other people, yeah. you're, you know, who do the same stuff you do. by happenstance. So I'm like, well, let me try this and just return to L.A. and see see what I can do. Yeah. So that's kind of my feeling during the six to eight months of being in Vegas. Like I got to get out of here. I have enough
1: money now. Mm-hmm. I got to get back on track. So that was basically that.
0: Yeah. So when you moved to LA, what's the first thing you did? Did you, did you transfer from TripAdvisor by the way, or did you just go, well, I'm going to quit TripAdvisor and then, or, and try to look for a job when I get back to LA. How that, how that process go.
2: Um, yeah. well, well, I always try to plan ahead. So yeah. I didn't want to leave without having something waiting for me. And yeah. it was interesting because at that time I'd actually I'd actually applied to work for the company I'm currently working at, like to be like I think like an assistant or something, or like a PA basically for, for the AFM event in Santa Monica.
3: Yeah.
2: So but I went to interview for it, they were like, Hey, we like resume, it's cool, but unfortunately we've already have someone selected so um you you can you more than welcome to try again next year but for this year we're not gonna do it So, like oh, okay, that's fine, that's yeah. fine. So what I did instead is that I got the security job through CSC. And CSC is a huge security company out here in LA, or I think maybe in California in general. And they go to all the like to do events at the forums, they do stuff like for football games, for the NFL, for the USC, UCLA games. Yeah. And they also happened to work at the AFM event. And I didn't even know what AFM was at that time, besides of what I saw online, I never knew how big it was, the history of it, anything like that. Mm-hmm. And when I signed up for the CSC security team, they actually put me on the AFM event. So I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. It's kind of something in my industry. Mm. I can learn more about it. And when I got there, I guess I made a good impression because I was in the buyer's lounge. A lot of rich people who were executives and whatnot would go and like have coffee and do deals behind closed doors. They'd have like wine and like cheese and stuff. They were being all fancy up there. Cause it's a nice hotel. They do it at the lowest hotel
1: yeah.
2: in Santa Monica. So it's really like fancy on the beach and everything right by the Santa Monica pier. Yeah. So I worked in the buyers lounge, and they knew me from that. So I did a good job, I guess. I made a good impression. Yeah. So fast forward to like about a year ago now, I guess, or yeah, it's almost been about a year now. Um, after that, I got hired on as a accounting assistant through that same company. Yeah. And between that, between then and now, I was still like doing odd jobs here and there. Um, I was working CSC, and then for a time, I was at the New York Film. Academy for about a year or so in their department doing stuff for admissions. So, if like students called in to try to go to school at the New York Film Academy, which is located in Burbank, mm-hmm. I would be the first person they would talk to. Like, I would make sure that they have all the papers in order, yeah, yeah. that they talk to the right people, that the classes figured out. Yeah. So, I did that before I came back to the same company again. So, it was kind of nice. You know, things kind of worked out. As soon as I left one job, I was able to find something else. I never really went too
0: long without being you know, without having some kind of income. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was very forward. So you're, you're now in AMF or AFM, sorry, American film market. Right. Um, so what's that mm-hmm. like? How do you like that? Um, are you, I, and also, I mean, sounds like you like it, but also are you doing anything on the side too? Are you doing, are you writing more? Have you been writing
2: Oh yeah, um, it's like I was saying. Basically, after my my job of being in the office because I'm an assistant, so I yeah. do whatever the CFO needs. Um, as soon as I clock out at six PM sharp, I walk over to the library next yeah. door, and I stay there until it closes, which is like at eight PM every night throughout yeah. the week. And so I'll be working on either a pilot or a feature, or maybe I'll, I'll read a new book to like study new material. Yeah. So I always try to make sure that I keep myself, you know, busy and still kind of in work mode. Mm. I feel like as soon as you leave work and you go home, you get kind of comfortable.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I guess
2: technically you could get back to work at home, but I'm at home. I want to relax. I want to like
3: yeah.
2: watch Netflix or chill out for a minute. I'm not trying to do any more work. So if I'm already out, I might as well just stay working and you know and just keep writing something. Yeah. So I got into the habit now. Whenever I'm off work, I go straight to the library before I even come home. So I've been working on a new um, TV pilot story right now to edit into fellowships for this, oh, this nice. springtime. Good for you, so man. TV fellowships are this way to kind of break in, break in the business. So nice. That's the plan right now. Uh,
0: can you want to talk? Can you tell us about the TV show, or you want to keep it hush hush for now? Because you know, I don't want, I don't want anyone to steal an idea. I think this is going to be aired in like. August. No, no,
2: no. It's yeah. fine. Okay. Um, I've already told so many people about it. Um, basically, the idea is that All it's right, everyone, too unlikely hold on, like friends,
0: before you start, let's, everyone needs to get pens and pencils just to write this down. <laughs> That's the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Just kidding. Now it's the time to take them. Yeah. <laughs> but um, basically, it's about these uh, two unlikely friends who discover this alternate reality mm-hmm. where, like, all the things they wish they had in their current reality are like given to them on a silver spoon. Yeah. Um. And the way I approached it was that I feel like now, um, people like who are our age, or maybe a little bit older or younger. They're doing these jobs they don't really want to do because they have to. And deep down, they have a passion to like either be creative or be supportive or work in some other kind of, you know, or maybe they want to start their own business, yeah. just do something for themselves, something they care about. But you know, with all the like student loan debt or like just, you know, I guess life in general gets in the way. You end up doing this job you don't like, and. Because it's so comfortable and so easy, you're afraid to go away from it. You don't want to be unemployed. Yeah, definitely. So I thought to myself, how can I make a world where that wasn't an issue anymore? If you feel like being a community or being a neighborhood or work at a company that made you feel like important, like you weren't just a number anymore. Yeah. And a lot of that came from my time in Vegas because I would see the things that Dallas was doing, how they treated their employees. I would see how things were at TripAdvisor, mm-hmm. how how life was like in, in the corporate culture, and how kind of to compare and contrasted. And yeah. so the idea was that these two characters in my story discovered this desert oasis, like you know, an alternate reality that mm-hmm. was like Silicon Valley meets, meets Burning Man. Oh, you know? interesting. So you have these interesting, you know, two two kind of like cultures like clashing together, where you have this innovation of people wanting to create, and also this easygoing attitude of like, hey, everyone's accepted here. No judgment. We're not going to like try to keep you out. We're not going to like you know let you have your have your say. You can have your own voice too. Mm-hmm. So, wanting to give, I wanted to give these two characters this opportunity to experience that. And I guess the main conflict is one of them really embraces it and she loves it, but the other one, like, doesn't trust it at all. He thinks yeah. something's up. He doesn't really doesn't understand how people can just live that way out in the desert and like be okay and not like mm. work the way that you're supposed to work. He's really by the book. And her character is more like she's just more free. She's more open. Yeah. So you get to see these two people react to this world in such a different way, and what ends up happening later on is that obviously um, this world that they entered into is actually like very new and very different even the people that live in that reality. So everyone's kind of coming into it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem is the architect of this like, city, this, like, this new world, basically um, he's being lied to, he's being deceived to, but one of his own. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is that even though he had a intention to create this like perfect oasis, this paradise, um, yeah. You know, it's like a utopia basically for everyone. Um, it kind of crumbles from the inside out, and slowly over the seasons, is what I was hoping for. Open over, over time, you'll yeah, see yeah. that this perfect place is actually not that perfect after all. Yeah. There's like bad things going on behind the scenes. People are like partying too much, or people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing to keep society going. Uh, you know, the letting other the people take the fall, um, and a lot of it too was inspired by um, that documentary about the fire festival. Uh, were you familiar with oh, the, yeah. the documentary on fire festival?
0: Uh, I've I've heard about it. And um, the
2: whole idea behind that yeah. I thought was uh, was so interesting because basically this guy created this music festival to be like the next Coachella or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even though the advertisements he thought were very real, and he got all these famous people to like speak up for him, by the time he actually put it on, it was never really set up. He never followed through. Yeah. So when people came to, was supposed to be this next biggest, you know, event of their lives, it was all fake. You know nothing he sold to them like the idea, the dream of like being on the hip new thing, it was all a lie. Like so he never much. had anything ready. Yeah. So, by fire festival stuck out to me because it's like you know what people do chase the dream. people do chase you know that, that that feeling of being noticed like on social media, about mm-hmm. like Facebook or Instagram or things like that. Yeah. And I think people put a lot of our like heart and soul since like into being seen. You know, to doing our best. Yeah. Because that's just who we are as people. You know, we want to do good. We want to be impressive. We want to achieve our goals and our dreams. The problem is, what happens if someone tells you a lie? What happens if someone tells you a bad dream? Mm-hmm. And it turns out to be a nightmare. So I kind of came at it that way, where like, these two characters would find this alternate reality that seemed really perfect, that seemed really cool. Mm-hmm. But on the inside, it, it wasn't that way. It's going to fall apart soon because yeah. the powers that be were going to be like, lied to and they, they, they would be manipulated. and yeah. Basically, it would fall apart from the inside out. So, that was the idea I had. And it, the name of the show would be Dustland Fairy Tale. And I actually got the name from a song title by The Killers. The Killers are my uh, favorite band.
3: Yeah. And
2: they have a song called Dustland Fairy Tale. Okay. So, that's kind of where I also got inspired to write the story because they're a Vegas band. I fell in love with them in Vegas. I mm-hmm. saw them a bunch of times. And this whole word I'm creating is supposed to mimic Vegas to some degree. Yeah. So of life in the desert, this whole new world. You know, I, I was really inspired by Tony Shay and what he was doing with Zappos and mm-hmm. Fremont East back in the day when he first came to Pound, how he gave all the money into like, a bunch of small business owners and they yeah. were doing their own things.
0: So and then he trusted the wrong people. I thought that was
2: really special like, That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. he had the best intentions. He had all the money, all yep. the influence. He was a good guy. But the yeah. problem was, you know, he trusted the wrong folks and look what happened. Like, yeah, man. it fell apart. It all fell Part. Do you,
0: so did you write a Bible for that? Did you have to write a show do you have to write a show Bible for that for this fellowship thing? Do you, do you have to like plan out the whole season? Do they just want uh, pilot? Like how how's, how's that work?
2: It it depends which fellowship you want you enter into, mm-hmm. but for the most part they don't really need a Bible. Yeah. All they really need is the original spec, which is what this would be. And then yeah. obviously if you can do one for an existing show, like maybe for Ozark yeah. or for I don't know what else is out there now. Like like the Watchmen or whatever, like like the some hot show now. You can ask on that as well. But the TV show Bible doesn't really come into play until later on. I mean, you can do it if you have the time. By all means, do it. It's not going to hurt you. Yeah. But you don't need it to enter into the fellowship. System
0: are you, are you doing one? Pirates. Are you doing one for shit Eagles for your own, like, peace of mind, I guess? Oh, yeah. I, I'm going I'm to try to enter
2: as many as I can this spring. I don't know if I can enter all of them. But I'm going to enter at least like three or four of them. No, no. I meant, the, I meant the show Bible. Obviously, not all of them paid, but...
0: No, no, I meant like for the show you're oh, writing. The show like, are you, know are you making, I've like, show by...
2: Bi- I've never done something. Oh, really? I've hmm. never actually done one before, to be honest. Yeah, I've always done like a bunch of outline, and yeah, I've yeah. done a bunch of notes, and obviously I've written scripts, but I've yeah. never done a show before, so it'd be oh. something new for me to yeah. try out. I mean, um, I'll mean, i definitely be open to it. You know, if I don't do it for this one, yeah, I might do it for the next one.
0: Yeah, because like, I mean, especially if you had the whole idea, because like, it sounds like you have the season kind of fleshed out a lot. So uh, that's why I was just curious about that. Like, I'm like mm-hmm. do you do you have the whole season? Like, how many? Like, if ideally, if I may ask, um, like how many episodes do you see that show as? Like, you know, like do you have the whole arc of season one? Like, do you have season two? Kind of like if this happened in season one, then season two kind of leads to this type thing. Like, or are you just like I got just one episode, John. Shut up.
1: <laughs> I actually have. Yeah, it's
2: crazy you say that. I yeah. planned it all out because I think okay. you get into the mode something you're really passionate about, yeah. even though you know it's not going to happen, you you yeah. try to visualize, okay, this will happen in season one, season two, season yeah. three, and I actually read out That's kind of a good thing to have, but mm-hmm. if by some chance, you know, you know, you have really good writing, they call you in. Yeah, I uh, thought that's going to be one of their questions. Is like, hey, wait to see the show yeah, You yeah, have definitely. an idea for the future. So for me, I had it being as like four or five season show,
3: mm-hmm.
2: something maybe you would see on either Netflix or HBO or something like that. Yeah. And the idea was that the two characters who come to the ultimate reality, the one that embraced it would actually end up staying there. And the one that wanted to leave does eventually find a way home. But yeah. the twist is that the person that wanted to stay there, uh, the one who was open-minded, mm. she makes a bunch of like friends. like in, 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 in the raver community, people like to party a lot. Yeah. And, like She got really close with all of them. But the thing is, those raver people, as fun as they were, they, all, they also got tired of, of the of the of all the lies because by then they would all see what the world became. Yeah, and so all of her closest friends she made in this new world—they're all going to leave her and go back to her old reality with the other guy. Yeah. So when he leaves, he kind of takes them with him, so they all leave at once, and she stays behind, obviously,
3: because
2: yeah. because she still believes in the that whole see, you know, utopia. What else she wants to be there? So the twist is that even though they both end up going in separate ways. She now has to carry on being in this place she still believes in without the people that he connected with. And, like, it's not like any bad brother or anything. Like, they all understand what's going on. Yeah. It's one of those things where, like, be careful what you wish for because it might come true. You did find this great world. You did have this great experience. But now the people that you were with, they're moving on. Yeah. So you you have to carry on on your own now and you can make new friends or do something else mm. because they're going away. You, you're not going to see them again. And for me, I felt like that was a good way to end it because. When you're in that kind of environment, when you're in a city like Vegas, it's very transient. You you meet people, you have friends, you have experiences, but odds are sooner or later, someone's going to move away and then you kind of just move on. It's a part of growing up, you know? You're not always going to have the same friends you do now that you will in like five or ten years from now, you know? That's so true, yeah. So I thought that would the human condition and and what it means to grow up. Because we all have those years when we're kind of wild and free and doing whatever we want. Mm -hmm. But then like you get to be like in your late thirties, early forties. Yeah. And if you're that type of person, you may want to have a kid, you might want to have your own family. So yeah, you, you are great. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and in that way I feel like you create your own little world. You create your own world of happiness with so yourself. That's creating your own family, then you do that. If you want to stay single and like you want to run your own business, then then if it it you, that's even better. Yeah. Or if you want to like, I don't know, travel the world and like see other countries that, 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 that maybe that's your habit. So maybe you, you don't have to get married. You don't have to have kids. You just want to travel all the time. Yeah, yeah. That's cool too. Yeah. So I wanted to get each of these characters put in the main characters. I kind of opted like, what do they want? Mm-hmm. What is it they're
1: really after in this utopia that's probably give them everything? What is it that they're missing?
0: Gotcha. So, Patrick, we're getting down, yeah, right? We're, yeah. we're getting to the end of the podcast. So here's the last two questions for you. First one is, Do you have any nuggets or any other advice to the people that are listening to the show?
1: Um, I would just say be true to yourself because Mm
2: -hmm. there's only one. It sounds really to say it, but there's only one version of you. If you try to copy, you know, what someone else is doing or what the trend is in Hollywood right now, it's not going to serve you well. But if you speak from an honest place, and you and you and if you do that as a director or animator, actor, writer, whatever it is, put yourself in that moment. And when you do that, the people who make decisions they'll see that, and they'll see that you're being honest. Because if you try to be fake, they can always tell. Yeah, definitely. So whatever it is you're doing, do it from a good place, from who you are, and you'll be surprised what what kind of things that you create from that. You'll be
0: surprised. And then last question is: What is your show? So well, I, I did. What is your social media?
1: Social media? If you li- um, if you like to I do them. have an Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah, yeah. It's PJ and then uh, uh,
2: underscore la. Yeah. That's okay. my Instagram. Um, Facebook. It's just my name, Patrick Thieves. So you can add me on Facebook. Um, I do have a Twitter, but I, I'm literally never on. Yeah. So, there's really no point in doing that. I probably should just cancel it. I'm like, yeah. never on Twitter. Who's so, on Twitter anyway?
0: It's, <laughs> <based>. <laughs> it's all, What's Twitter. <laughs> uh, Patrick, by the way, yeah, man, thank you so yeah. much. Man, I appreciate it. You'd be on the show. Of course, man. It was great talking to you. It's great, yeah. it great catching Anytime. up. Anytime. Uh, and again, thank you, Patrick, and thank you guys for listening. And remember, to subscribe to subscribe to the podcast, I cannot speak. We are on Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, Apple Podcast, and Stitcher. Also, like I said in the beginning of the show, if you're not on Patreon, maybe you want to get on. It's up to you. No, no pressure. I'm not gonna force it on you guys, but you're welcome to if you like to. Mm-hmm. We have we have three different tiers, like I told you in the beginning of the show. And you know, if you are a part of that, thank you a lot. We have I have ideas I want to pull off for the show like a live streaming show you know episode maybe once a month if we get the right amount of people in the community or right amount of people follow the Patreon or subscribe to the Patreon whatever the hell it is you guys do uh, <laughs> and again guys I can't do it without the love and support of my hashtag frame so that's you guys that are supporting this show and listening to this show and hopefully at least you know if only one person listens to an episode. And then someone else, like if one different person listens to an episode a day or whatever it is or just one person, different person listens to an episode and they get advice or nuggets or, you know, just listen to the story and find inspiration from it, then I feel like we're doing our job. And, you know, again, guys, like you got to just support the show, I guess, and listen to the show and hopefully you're finding those nuggets and information useful and helpful. And again, I can't do this without you guys. So thank you again, and thank you, Patrick. And guys, have a great day. Have a great week. Have a great month. Have a great year. We'll catch you hopefully next Wednesday on on Chasing the Frame. I'm John. See you next time. Bye.